When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. They are among you. Their looks allow them to blend in with crowds. They are walking with your children. They're in your grocery store buying a loaf of rye bread. Who are they? Analogies for communists and possibly other things. Let's talk today. They're stood still on Zach on film. <laughs> Commies, they're everywhere, Zach. Yeah. They might be sitting right next to you on the bus. In the 50s. No. That's what I that's what I love about these sci-fi movies from the 50s, especially when they go totally crazy. Is that mm-hmm. And we'll talk about some of the other meanings and, and things that pop sure, up in this sure, movie. Sure. But the fact that it's like a blatant, you don't know who the commie is next to you. Yes. Be aware. Be scared. Trust your military and your government because we will protect you. God, you, you think, do you think that's really the the message of the day the earth suit still? That's not the overall message, but that is the underlying, that is one of the underlying uh, themes that run through this is okay. that. They even say right in the movie when uh, Klaatu meets the uh, the secretary, he's like, look, we're in a very different political sure. environment than what you're used to. We don't get mm-hmm. along with the other people. And then suddenly it's like, yeah, you know, those other people, you should be scared of them. You know, those other people, you should be watch out for them. You don't trust the alien. Right. So the alien here could be an alien from outer space or someone from another country. See, to me, like if that was the theme, then that is a problem like i think it failed because i think this is Klaatu's story like yeah. he's the protagonist oh, of no, the no, story but there is this yeah. thing of no no there's no question that he's not the protagonist but it is this be aware be afraid of your neighbor right. be aware that's, be afraid of that stranger that's the that's, that's the backdrop mm-hmm, right? right this is the that's the climate that Klaatu comes to but right. the story i would mm-hmm. say is actually fighting that right and i got the exact tries to agree yeah. tries to from the from the end of the movie, though, I got the message that it's a strong warning of if you do, if you mm-hmm. act that way, if you're paranoid and hateful and and you know fractious and deceitful, then greater forces will come down and wipe you off the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, definitely it's there, but I think that 
it's it's there to try and make the point that you don't want to live like that, that it's dangerous to live like mm-hmm. that, and that the you know the aliens is watching you. Well, <laughs> but you know, Klaatu even says, "Hey, look, we don't care if you guys are going to fight. We don't care if you guys don't get along. If you guys want to blow each other up, fine, but you just better not equip those things to rockets and come out into space, or else." We will stomp on you, which comes into the second part or the one of the second underlying themes of this story of um, the alien representing a God, Mm. Uh, especially in this case, Old Testament God of if you don't straighten up, we're going to come down and stomp you out that uh, Old Testament. Well, I think uh, that one's interesting because uh, if you go with the biblical analogy, you get Old Testament and New Testament yes, in it with Klaatu and uh, Gork. Yes. What's his name? Gork. Gort. Yeah. Gort. 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 G-O-R-T. Uh, where Gort is uh, vengeful, wrathful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone dies when uh, Klaatu is more you like dying and coming back to life and right. being like, Yo, let's, let's, just, a, let's just not like maybe you shouldn't fight. Well, or maybe so you this shouldn't was, hurt like people. Um, Klaatu is been compared to uh, Christ in, mm-hmm. in this movie. That was the other thing that that comes out. And um, when this movie was being done, the director did not talk to the actors about this. He was just mm-hmm. like, let's let this come out naturally. This is my intention, but let's see how they play it and see what comes out. And they went to the movie rating board. The movie rating board is like, this guy's Christ. You got to knock that down a little bit. And so they had to go back in and add the line when she asks, oh, you've come back to life. Does this mean you're going to live forever? And they had to add in the line where he's like, um, no one knows how long we're going to be here. Only the the great spirit or whatever the the almighty spirit uh, can make <laughs> that, that determination. That was the line they added in to make it to less make him, of a Christ figure? To make him less of a Christ figure, right? Yes. That, that line makes it more of, this dude totally is Christ. No, yeah, no, no. Well, in my mind, he ascends, I mean, he comes back to yeah. life. He ascends to heaven at the yeah. end of the movie. Right. Yeah, so, so to say, oh, no, someone else controls the, the, the strings of right. life and death, much like in the Bible, Jesus doesn't. Well, God, I mean, whatever. But like they're connected and things. Sure, right. I mean, cl- I mean yeah. Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night. Clotu right. was taken down That's in the middle of the night. So, like, Absolutely. even adding that line, I don't even think even step. Clotu is a friend of all children. Yeah. Rodrigo is a friend of all children. That's yes. right. Rodrigo yeah. has a long beard. Clotu <laughs> adopts the Rodrigo name Carpenter. Rodrigo superstar. Rodrigo superstar. Um, so, yeah, there I mean, there have been I mean, and it's not uh, from the director's standpoint. I mean, he wasn't trying to make this a a retelling of of Jesus, but he was putting in some of these Christ analogies into the story. Yeah, I mean, and, and 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 it is a storytelling structure that we mm-hmm. see like all over the place for long periods of time. Right. So um, but being America, I mean, in the Western culture, it is like. That story is tied in with the Christ. I mean, because mm-hmm. you see other voices, but it's tied back into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing in this movie? Wrap your religion up with sci-fi. Um. Well, okay. Well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by bad thing? The, I'm the, just saying, is, is it, it a good idea? Is it or, off-putting? Is it a good thing? Is um, it? Uh, does it seem to be in conflict with many belief systems? 
Um, you know, it's interesting because it's only recently that the the Catholic Church yeah. uh, has started to acknowledge that there may be other beings uh, out there in space. <laughs> yeah. Up until then, it was like, no, we are the only ones. Yeah. Uh, but now it's been softened a little bit to be, well, you know that there's probably other creatures out there that uh, God has created and that also probably believe in him. Sure. You know, th- that kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. I don't really follow everything. I just, every time it says the church recognizes alien life, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the, you know, well, that is an think, ideological what do belief. They know? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's fascinating because the, the church, uh, no, I say the church, I mean the Catholic church, church. Mm-hmm. Um, Roman Catholicism, uh, they do have huge science branches and they mm-hmm. do have mm-hmm. uh, astronomy stations located around the world, uh, which I find fascinating. That's right. Uh, so, so is it a bad thing wrapping up? Uh, I mean, if you're going to hide, a, if you're going to hide a religious message inside of a movie, is sci-fi the best way to do it, or is there another way to do it? I mean, we've kind of seen well, Neo <laughs> kind of follows yeah, into the same well, I guess, Christ figure. Yeah, well, he's even in this movie. So, <laughs> not <yeah>. this movie. <laughs> this is 1951. Yes, 1951. So you get into a place where this, in the way, like. I would think like a Neo or a Matrix does a Christ figure or this movie does like a Christ figure thing. Uh, I'm like, I think it's like it's done fine Mm -hmm. uh, because it's just like the figure, like that idea of the Christ person who comes and tries to save people. Mm -hmm. And then that whole like the whole story arc for that. I think uh, it's an interesting one to put into stories. Where I think it goes wrong is when it's like so heavy handed, like this is the only way you can be saved is Mm. if, Mm -hmm. uh, because Klaatu is more like, like I'm like, I'm leaving. Here's like, I'm not doing anything. You guys just settle out. Just don't like go be dicks in space. (laughs) 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 What are you going to say, Rodrigo? I I think that interestingly, you can you can see even some of the same um philosophical issues that may not have been intended in this movie as you see with you know just people analyzing religion right like for example the revelation that gord is from a race of robots that they have given their mm-hmm. freedom to mm-hmm. um it's like yeah, so they put them in yeah, ultimate so, control so the choice is um, you can do whatever you want, or you can give, like, if you want peace, to the you have to mm-hmm. give control of your life to something else. To the military. Right? Well, or to God. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's right. like, in order to live, like, the perfect life, you have to relinquish this autonomy that mm-hmm. presumably God also gave you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's this really, com- like, when, when he said that, I was like... Well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds terrible yeah. to have robots shoot you because you commit a crime. It's interesting, you know, because when I get to that part in the movie, I'm thinking, oh, at one time before the Green Lantern Corps was formed, they had uh, a bunch of robots, hunters. Yeah. the Manhunters, that yeah. did this exact same thing. And I could not find <laughs> any reference to the day the Earth stood still and the Green Lantern mythos mm-hmm. to see if there was some kind of inspiration of Gort leading to the Manhunters. I just couldn't find any of that. But it's an interesting it's that there is. Yeah, yeah, I bet it wasn't direct. But I mean, obviously, all that stuff because the Manhunters 
are a big retcon. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I they mean, were a retcon in the mid seventies, which yeah, means yeah. you know a quarter century afterwards. That said, uh, the people who created Green Lantern, especially in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, were huge sci-fi type guys. And I would say, you know, it's almost. I won't say impossible, but it seems highly unlikely that there was no intention to at least, you know, touch on that. Well, uh, the day the Earth stood still, uh, you know, uh, what its own influences aside is a hugely influential sci-fi yes, piece. Yes, it is. Yes, All, it is. Like 100% of modern sci-fi can trace something back to the Earth. The day the air so, so so many things mm-hmm. from you know the the classic line that everybody knows more I th- I think more people know the line Klaatu Barata Niktu mm-hmm. from uh, Army of Darkness than they right. do from this movie, uh, which is again fascinating. The um, now we've seen saucer shaped ships before, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's fascinating about the saucer in this one is it was co-designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright, who helped design the interior. But the exterior of the ship is also drawn from inspiration from um, a building that he designed that a lot of people might know, uh, what is it, the Wax Building in uh, Michigan, where you go into the main workforce lobby area. It's like a two- or three-story workforce area, main floor. And these columns that uh, Frank Lloyd Wright designed start out kind of normal at the bottom. But as they go, go up, they kind of expand a little bit, and then they flatten out at the top and curve up and all the lighting is beneath that. So it kind of bounces up and falls down and it makes you feel like you're in a forest mm-hmm. or it really, if you see it, and I know people, the minute that they see it, would say, oh, I've seen that picture before. Very sci-fi mm-hmm. in its in its uh, nature. And of course, in the 1950s, um, uh, Wright is starting to move away from his arts and crafts movement, which is very flat um, and, and angular to a more circular mm. uh, design because he, I forget what year he designed the Guggenheim uh, museum, but, uh, or the addition of the Guggenheim, but that's the whole spiral part of the Guggenheim that people know Lloyd designed that as a, he, he was making this transition from phase. So if this, somebody look up real quick, Matthew, look up when the Guggenheim edition by Frank Lloyd Wright was done. If this is a, something that happens in the middle of his transition period, it's fascinating to suddenly see, because when we're inside the ship, we see a lot of the Lloyd Wright flat, angular design um but then it's also this transition to some smooth curves on the outside and i think that that would be fascinating to point to this and say look at this this is in that transition period of uh of a frank lloyd wright did you did you find it matthew i'm looking unsuccessfully at the internet go ahead and vamp for another 32 seconds i got something what do you got so um i had i had a professor uh, I had a sound design professor in school mm-hmm. um, who would compl- who complained very bitterly about the day the Earth stood still and uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, um, because uh, he was in sci-fi stuff. He was making all that a lot of those uh, things. He was a, he was like really young at the time, right? Um, and he just hated those movies because they defined what laser beams sound like right. mm-hmm. and what uh, and what a spaceship taking mm-hmm. off and landing sounds like. And from then on, every spaceship that we've ever seen and every laser that ever gets fired is a an echo yeah. of the day the Earth is still and Forbidden Planet. Right. A theremin is in yep. big use here now. Again, I don't remember what day, um, what year um, Forbidden Planet came out, but 56, Ther- theremin is a 
is a huge tonal piece in in the music of this piece. Um, so reference Guggenheim Museum was completed in 1951 or sorry, 1959. Yeah, 1959 is when they moved into the mm-hmm. to the new museum with the spiral Frank Lloyd Wright uh, design. So 51 is in that time period of, yeah. of Lloyd moving and and uh, maybe he was trying stuff out. Maybe so. I just find it. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge Frank Lloyd Wright fan. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily a fan of his personal life, but um, well, sure. But of his work, it's just. Are you a fan of anybody's personal life? Uh, yeah, there. I mean, there are some people that I really. Their I, I guess life, they're like big philanthropists or something like that. Maybe. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Smith, Bill Gates. Um, yeah, just like, oh, these are cool guys. I like the way that they roll. I yeah. like the way they roll. I like their their theory and their belief system. Okay. Um, I, I mean, for the most part, I like I like Frank Lloyd's right Wright's personal life. There were some times where he did some things I thought were a little shady that uh-huh. I don't necessarily always one hundred percent agree with. But from his philosophy, yeah, Frank Lloyd Wright is a very cool person. I, I never look into people's like personal life. I, right. I yeah, I'm just like if I try to find out anything about this person, they're going to turn out to be terrible. <laughs> I'll just follow their work, and that's it. Well, and that's the reason why you don't want to ever go look into Edison. Oh, uh, sure. Because if if people are a fan of oh Thomas Edison is the greatest inventor in the world, it's total bullshit <laughs> when you look into into his life. And I have a personal one man crusade. To enlighten people about how evil and vile it's, Thomas Edison it's, was. It's you and the oatmeal. Yes, that's right. And the graham crackers. Um, <laughs> um, hey, Matthew, this movie has one of those, uh, hey, it's that person moments. I know, right? You just want to get some kerosene pickles. <laughs> this is that's, a, that's a deep dive reference, Zach. I don't know what that means. Season one of the the Andy Griffith show. Uh huh. It's established that Aunt B can't make pickles, and that her pickles taste like carrots. Skip it. And and you talking about Aunt B can't make some pickles? Aunt B is Aunt in B. this movie. Yeah, Aunt B I know. Can't make pickles. She can't make a pickle. Don't you just put it in some I don't know some pickling juice and throw just, it in a cupboard for like eight months or something? Yeah, that's how you make them. It's <laughs> that easy. Do that. My world is shattered. It's it's about the um, you have to seal the the. No, you can jar actually properly. you can actually make uh, pickles in your refrigerator. Oh, uh, well, you never just, mind. Uh, you just take a brine. Uh, uh, never, uh, you know what? I was thinking about preserves. Like preserves, oh, yeah, preserves you, you, you have, have to, to you have yes. to seal it you properly, seal otherwise it. Yes. they rot. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. No, there's no way to screw up a pickle. Apparently, yeah. You just put it uh, maybe in that, some brine, throw it in that, your refrigerator. Was that the joke? Yeah. Is that somehow she managed to yes. screw up the most unscrew? Okay. Yes. Right. Uh, and also, we're the on the same page from now. The first season of the, uh, or from the the movie version of the Waltons is in this too. But you know, that's again something that you're just not gonna get. I, you know, I never so, really yeah. thought about what was the translation of the Klaatu Barada Niktu, um, what it really meant. Mm-hmm. Although it does have Klaatu's name in it, right? So it's it has to do something with him when he's giving instructions to Gort. And you have to think about it. This is a whole created language that right. was done for this film. Mm-hmm. And wise, there's you can go online, you can find pictures of the actual script where he's writing in how do you pronounce these words correctly. Um, there have been a couple of uh, linguists that have gone through and tried to translate or come up with a translation. One of the ones that I like that seems to fit is I die, repair me, do not retaliate. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Gort does. Sure. Interesting. Klaatu is dead. Mm-hmm. Go and get him by any means necessary. Revive him, but don't kill anybody. 
don't yeah. blow stuff up. Yeah, which is the opposite of what I thought it was going to be where uh, I'm dead. Kill them all. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, this movie, going back to the to the pacifist role of let's let's all get along. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is unlike most other 1950s space movies. Uh, Earth versus yeah. the flying no, saucers. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, Mars attacks. Uh, not Mars yeah. attacks. Um, invaders from Mars. Mm-hmm. Invasion invaders of the body Mars. snatchers, which mm-hmm. we're going to look at next week. It is yeah. all. Come down and destroy and blow right, stuff up right. and all this they stuff. They are the enemy. I mean, it is very much yeah. that red scare thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but here it's very much. Hey, man, we just want to do right to you, but why are you being a dick to me? Yeah. Why did you shoot yeah. me? Why did you blow up this gift that I had for you? So, so great is like, oh, it's a gift for the president. Ah, you shot <laughs> it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the other thing we you know we were talking earlier in the show about um, about the church kind of relaxing their stance on on alien life. Do you think people have become accustomed to this thing about aliens are out there and that there's other life out there and we will probably be we may be visited at some point? You know, it used to be, again, in the 1950s, my God, aliens, we better go out and and hunt those guys, blow things up. They're different from us. You mean like, okay with the fact that it's that it's possible or would they be okay with someone Actually so here's you up. know the the going into conspiracy theories, which is something that Matthew and Bruce Otter and I were debating back and forth a week or two ago on Twitter, was that why does the government want to keep alien life secret? Why does the church want to keep this stuff secret? In and movies? the idea, well, not <laughs> in movies, but in real life. Oh, if sure. you believe why, that, why would unquote, they do yeah, that? Why would yeah, they do right. that? And the and the thought is that the populace could not handle their belief structure suddenly being torn away and saying, yeah, there is life out there. And look, they do look like us or they don't look like us. Mm-hmm. And suddenly people saying, well, if this, if I thought this was made up all this time, what else is real or not real? And there was this big theory that if you tell people that there are aliens visiting us on a regular basis and abducting us, people would just lose their crap mm-hmm. in real life. People would just lose their crap and couldn't handle it. But we've seen movies like, E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Independence Day, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Earth versus the Flying Saucer. We've been exposed to all of this stuff over the years that I bet if you took a poll today, people really could care less. I mean, when when Bill Clinton came out and said, hey, we found possible evidence of microbial life on Mars, Mm -hmm. people were like, yeah, okay, no big deal. Life goes on. Well, th- but then again, finding microbes yeah. is different from finding a sentient human-like you, race. But that's very easy to extrapolate further. That well, if we found microbes, then yeah, but probably that's, but are. that's that's something that nerds do. Like you and me, but and I mean, Zach honestly. and Matthew, um, we we exist sometimes in this tank, right, full of other nerds, and sometimes right. yes, sometimes mm-hmm. we Tastes forget. Like that there are non-nerds out no, there. No, but like, I think in, in we the general pu- stuff public, like that. though, in the general public, though, you go back to the 1950s and 60s, and there was this definite fear of there's something out there, and we have to kill it before it kills us. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the ni- time the 1970s and 80s rolls around, people start to relax a little bit more right. about it. And today, well, we I, to bet the, a, I bet if you did a, I bet, I bet if you went out and pulled people on the street and said if an alien landed. If an alien from another planet landed and is there definite confirmation that some species from another planet was visiting us on a regular basis, would that freak you out or not? 
more I would bet more people are going to say doesn't bother me. I, I think it's a. Uh, I think Zach has a good point that the lunar landing probably had a lot to do with that. That at some point man became the master of space oh. because we got to that satellite over there. <laughs> well, but there's all, the other interesting thing is in the eighties. Um, for those of you that are old enough to remember, Ronald Reagan made this really weird comment, and he made it multiple times, where he was like, you know, someday, and this is paraphrasing, basically he was saying, you know, someday there may be a threat from from somewhere that we're all going to have to get together mm-hmm. and join forces against, and we're going to all have to get along when this threat arrives. And a lot of people mm-hmm. try to, inter- Matthew, you remember warming. that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not global warming. That's not it. But a lot of people interpret his comments to be that the government knows that there are aliens out there mm-hmm. and comments like that and exposure of aliens through media over the years is a way of numbing the populace to the fact that this <laughs> stuff is real. What if he was just been like, OK, well, guys, it's Ronald Reagan. He was I suffering. A- he was suffering from from dementia and Alzheimer's. Sure. Uh, at this point. But so, what if I mean, he, he would have been doing anything. What if he would have been like this? Because this might be something I would do if I was president, which is why I never get involved. Like, okay, guys, having a press conference today. Meet me in the garden at 3.30. And then you just kind of drop subtle hints that we think we've found something. And then, yeah. you, and then you go back and into the into the West Wing. And you start fist bumping all your bros like, oh, they're totally going to read into this way too far. I was just, I'm just joshing with them. Let's go shoot some hoops. No, I don't think I, so. If you, if you want to awesome, get, though. if you want to get into the conspiracy theory of that, I think that is probably a, a, a very, that is the most believable, one of the most believable conspiracy theories I've ever heard that <laughs> the government knows that there are aliens or, or strongly yes. suspects. And they've been trying to numb the population through or pop prepare, culture or prepare them. Um, and the only reason why I think that's not true is because uh, humans are always fascinated by the unknown. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we still do space stuff is because the space is still unknown. Mm-hmm. The way that um, crazy magical invaders used to come from other countries. Now, yeah. every country in the in the world is somehow connected to every country in the world. There's no undiscovered yeah. land masses. I know. That's, that, um, that's except my for that, theory. Except for that island face from Life of Pi. <laughs> um, that, that's my whole theory about magic, is that mm-hmm. when the nuclear bomb went off, magic died. Right. Uh, because there's no nothing left unexplored. Everything is science, not magic. Science! No. I wonder, though, if this movie played out in real life today. Mm-hmm. If a UFO landed in the mall mm-hmm. in Washington, or, of course, it has to land in America. Um, but let's say it landed well, in... Let's get back let's, to that. Let's, say it, landed, let's yeah. say it landed in Mexico City. Sure. Guy came, comes out. Makes sense. By some rubrics, the biggest city in the world. Yes, mm. right. You want to get noticed, go to the biggest city. Sure. Um, lands in Mexico City, comes out and says, hey, you guys, I'm from another planet. Mm-hmm. You guys have been put on notice that if you don't straighten up your act... We will annihilate you. And oh, by the way, I'm going to stop all electricity in the world for a half hour just to prove our power. You think we'd straighten up? You think we'd say, hey, wait a minute. Maybe we do need to rethink some of this stuff. Uh, or do you think you think it'd last all of five minutes and we'd be well, back to beating each other over the head with rocks? Well, it, the, the important thing about uh, I think the the smart thing that this movie does is that the very first thing that happens is an accidental hostile movement by humans yeah. right, right. Yes. so the very first thing that happens <laughs> is somebody accidentally well sort of accidentally 
shoots Klaatu. Right. He's like, ah, and then the robot's like, bzz, 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 and it's like, they very quickly prove that they have superior military technology, right? right? So if that was the first thing that happened, then people would be like, well, okay, so we can't nuke Mexico City. <laughs> um, Not today. Can we? Can, no, we, okay, we can't nuke Mexico City. Um, and we can't shoot this guy to death. We can't shoot this robot to death. It's impenetrable and unstoppable, right? It's like, all right, now that we've established that we can't beat them by just hitting them with rocks, let's listen to what they have to say. Like, I think that is, in fact, what would happen. You think that would happen, Zach? Oh, yeah. They totally nailed it when uh, the dude shot Klaatu because... Guns would be coming out so, especially if it landed in America, Mm -hmm. there would be so many guns out and they'd all be just pointing at the the ship and probably all of them just firing at once. But do you think Putin, the ship lands in Mexico City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think Putin would say, oh, that uh, alien that's in Mexico, he's got some things I'm going to say. Yeah, let me let me turn off all my nuclear switches and let me go sit down and show up the United Nations and we're all going to we're going to hash this out and we're going to make this work. Um... Or do you current, think it's going to be? Current, no. Or do you think it's going to be? Oh, that's one of those. That's another lie from the Mexican government. Uh, They're staging yeah, this. Sure. We must retaliate now. It it seems, especially this summer, it seems that uh, the world is in such turmoil. Turmoil, especially you know, in the Middle East, in the kind of old USSR block that, and in the U.S. Yeah, and in, yeah, in the U.S. that. Uh, for people to get along all over the world forever, essentially, it's kind of a big deal because it hasn't happened in forever. So, so that's that's actually something that I was thinking about a lot when I saw this movie. Is this was a bad idea on Klaatu's part and on his people's part his to people's send part, yeah. one saucer. Have it sit down, show that they're superior, and then basically threaten humanity. It's like, if they knew anything about humans, they would know that humans, in general, usually don't respond well to threats. Well, and and that's when he's meeting with the secretary. The secretary's like, man, you may have been listening to our radio broadcast, but you know nothing Mm -hmm. about the way we work and the way we think and the way we act. He's just... He's basically saying your mission, even though you won't tell me what your mission is, is failed from the start is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the filmmakers kind of understood that. And even yeah. though they're trying to say, hey, monkeys, pay attention. I think at the same time, they're also saying we're never going to yeah. rise up. The beyond only this. the only thing I could see happening uh, is peace comes over the world. Only in the fact of. They all bang together to try to build some intergalactic war force to go take out their well, and that's the that's the plot of Independence Day, right? I mean, in order for everyone to take down these alien invaders, Mm -hmm. everyone around the world has to set aside their differences, work together to defeat these these ships, which is exactly what they told them not to do. (laughs) It's interesting that you mentioned that movie, though, because Independence Day is really the day the Earth stood still on steroids. Uh, right down to, you know, the, the destruction of major monuments, the breakdown of communication. You Granted, there's 150,000 ships instead of just the one. But in 1951, saying, no, 
don't be jerks, don't fight these people, didn't have the same play as it did in 2000, 2000, 1999, 1999, 1999, okay. So in 1999, fight back, and then Bill Paxton and or Pullman, whichever one it is, has this big speech. This is our Independence Day. Why am I talking like Nixon? Because it's the only president. 96, 96, yeah. Yeah. So 45 years later, it's an entirely different climate. But really, the story being told there is very similar. Yeah, it's a similar idea of like, these guys are going to kill us, so we have to band together. And it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because it's like, that could be what happens after the the day the Earth is yeah. right? It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. humanity bands together to figure out a way to kill Klaatu's <laughs> or, race, or, or to kill Gort. Or... This ID4 is the sequel to the day the Earth stood still where the aliens show up ready to kick ass and destroy the planet because we haven't been. Well, yeah, but along. I mean, that doesn't play because nobody knows there's aliens. Well, around, that's true. Like it's a, you can say like it's a spiritual thing. But here's the thing. The aliens and Independence Day are not happy aliens are not. Well, no, not just that. They're not Klaatu's and they're not Gort's. They're yeah, actually hypertrophied humans right. is what they are, right? right? It's like humans are eating up their resources and then like going somewhere else to eat more resources. That's what the guys from Independence Day are. They're locusts. Mm-hmm. They're actually like eviler versions of us. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. What were we going to say about Mexico City? Uh, no, what I was going to say was about this thing uh, where the saucer landed. And I was like, if something like that was going to happen today, my first thought was this would probably actually happen in China. Because if you think about it, What's the most populous country? Probably China. But um, I guess what's the-, the country with the biggest military? Again, this is a a, a demilitarization right, 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 right. message, right? Right. What's the country with the biggest military? China. Um. You know, like uh, I don't know. It depends on what they know about sure. Earth, and they've only been monitoring the the. Uh, and I find this funny at the very beginning of the movie. You're watching this television radio broadcast. Um, <laughs> meaning it's simulcast. I don't know, yeah. but I mean, if they're monitoring our our airwaves mm-hmm. and they've been listening to Rush Limbaugh for forty years uh-huh. and not listening to fine podcasts like Zach on Film, yeah. um, Zach on they film. are getting a very depending. No matter where it's coming from, whether that that broadcast be coming from North Korea or China or India or sure. Russia or wherever, they're getting a very slanted view on how the world works oh, you guys you guys you guys have seen contact right yes there, there's yes. a whole like yes. they they the the thing they get and they think they send back and like the aliens presumably don't even understand what they're looking at right, right. they send back a message all with, with from hitler, hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah hitler's like big speech mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and that's that's what the message is coded into and it just like uh, uh, like all the white supremacist portion of the population are like, yay, space Hitler. <laughs> it's a great contact is a great movie. Yeah, by the way, also very influenced by the dates. The year yes. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they would land in. Ch- I mean, if you're looking at population base, sure. You know, if they're if again, they're, if they're looking for no, if they're looking for major conflict, mm-hmm. they would land in the Middle East. Right. Sure. That's where they would land. If they wanted to say, hey, put your weapons down, yep. here we are. That's where they would and, land. And it, it really would depend on what rubric they're following. Yes. Now, as an American movie, even way back in the day, they're like, well, obviously they land in America. we're the greatest country in the <laughs> right. world. That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, like, it depends. It's like, if they are looking for what's the country with the biggest nuclear arsenal that we want to 
take apart, then yes, mm-hmm. they'd land in the United States mm-hmm. or possibly Russia. Or Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were like, what's the country with the biggest immediate population? Probably China, possibly India. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States does have a huge population. Mm-hmm. You know, if they are like, what's the country with the most natural resources per square, like per hectare? They would yeah. probably land in like Costa Rica or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, it, you know, like it depends what the aliens care about, would think is most most effective and more importantly, value. Like if these were aliens who are like, man, look at those warlike humans. Let's go to the smartest, most enlightened country as like, who knows where they would land is like mm. what probably France. Well, like possibly. <laughs> well, maybe Belgium, you know, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah, a, a lot of Northern European countries. Mm plays a lot of value in education right it's like there's a reason you know like you know going back to europe there's a lot of there's a reason why there's a geneva convention you know that sort of thing is like what are the countries that traditionally have been the uninvolved peacekeepers Mm -hmm. maybe they would land there probably and again we're still just thinking about the western world there's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff going on in asia that we as people who live in the united states don't ever hear about right that possibly if you're an omniscient space alien you would actually understand well besides the fact that klaatu speaks english and is a white guy right the other reason to land in the United States is that's where the United Nations is, is housed. Sure. Yeah. And as but he does the US- stay in the film, he does say, I do want to get and speak in front of your leader. So if you're only getting bits and pieces of what the United Nations is about through your radio broadcast, you might think that, oh, all nations are represented See, but again, here. that's poor planning on Klaatu's part because he should have landed in New York yeah, yeah. where the well, United I mean, Nations meets. I mean, would you rather land but did they in a big in open space? in 1951? I don't know. You'd have to go back and look and see what United Nations. Uh, there's were. enough I'm sure by. There's enough room in Central Park to yeah. park that saucer. Yeah, okay. but uh, it doesn't have a big uh, puddle of water and a giant phallic symbol. That you and can you could you could knock down <laughs> the the you know the monument on your way through. So. What are some other things that you got? Uh, oh, we haven't even talked about the plot of the movie in this. In this, oh, we haven't. Yeah. We haven't talked I mean, about acting. We haven't. I mean, we're talking about general themes out. that come from this movie, and I think. Yeah. In some cases, we've talked that there is a, as you mentioned, Rodrigo, there's this lasting legacy of sci-fi that mm-hmm. comes from this mm-hmm. film, um, even though this isn't the first sci-fi film. Um, we've talked about that. And then we've talked about a lot of different themes and ideas that this really, movie kind of provokes. Like, <laughs> the first yeah. film was the first sci-fi film. Like, yeah, yeah. If you think about Trip it, like, Your Trip to the yeah. Moon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think what, that's one of the nice things about movies is if they get you talking about whatever – what would happen yes. if an alien landed? Sure. Hey, this movie is a success. Yeah. As opposed to, man, if them aliens ever landed here, I'm going to whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that that's a, that's a good thing, even, if we're, even though we're not talking about technique, even if we're not talking about storytelling, yes. even if we're not talking about any of those things. Yeah. The fact that this movie resonates so much through pop culture, the fact that this movie um, has this influence in philosophy. Yeah. In mm-hmm. religion, in uh, just general conversation, I think this is a very successful movie. Yeah, it's we usually get a couple movies like this. I don't know, like every couple of months, where the the discussion is more on like themes and influences right. instead yeah. of uh, like production of the films, which is both great in both cases. Um, that's what I was thinking. Like Stephen's going to ask me, what did I get from this movie? Or what am I going to Why, why does he talk like Jerry Seinfeld? What am I going to apply in my future? What's the deal with Klaatu? 
And I'll go, how about that spaceship food? Huh? Uh, <laughs> What's the deal with spaceship food? And then I was, <laughs> well, I mean, this didn't turn out to be... This is this movie is very different from um, To Serve Man, which right. is a tale of aliens who come down and say, hey, we want to bring you peace, and we are going to facilitate peace for you. Um, we're going to solve your hunger problem. We're going to solve your pollution problem we're going to solve every single problem that you as a planet have uh and then if you want you can come back to our planet i mean why wouldn't you want to come back to our planet look at us we're magnificent aliens and then it turns out because they want to eat us look at how weirdly tall we are yes that's <laughs> because they want to eat us this one is we have superior technology but we're not going to use it to solve your problems mm. you have to solve the problem yourself yeah and i think well, that's i mean when you look at sci-fi it either flips one of the two ways either Earthlings need to figure this crap out for themselves or death and destruction. And it's a cookbook. Spoiler. Ten years later, though, I mean, Rod Serling was working with a world in which the day the Earth stood still existed. So he had this movie to play against when they made To Serve Man, which, by the way, the props from the day the Earth stood still were props that the Twilight Zone group actually had Yep, nice. uh, in The Invaders and The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. And in uh, To Serve Man, you'll see chunks of this this film sets and, and uh, toys. But I think it's important when you talk about To Serve Man, even just 10 years later, this is an example. This is like the Ur example. When we talked about, what was it, Sunset Boulevard being kind of like a template with some early installment weirdness for like all of the noir movies and Psycho being a template for so many horror movies. This is your science fiction template in a lot of ways. This is the game changer that even now is still being felt. So if you make a reference to this movie or, you know, if, for instance, you put the title of this movie on a Matrix sequel and throw in a whole bunch of crap with uh, James Hong and some weird, you know, kind of CGI creatures in it, you're going to get a response and people are going to think they're knowing what they're getting because this is such an influential movie in both its tone and what it actually, you know, doesn't say on the film. So, Have you guys seen that? Keanu remake? No, I wanted to, but uh, I didn't get around to it. I actually think I watched all of it probably about four or five years ago on like HBO down at my mom's house. Okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about that story. All I know, I know is that there was a lot of stuff blowing up in the trailer. Yeah, is what I remember. which is which was which is totally not what happens. Which in this makes movie. way more sense. Uh, watching it was like, oh, because it's 2008 and we have to blow up things to make a sci-fi movie, which was an interesting ending for the 1951 uh, version of this film. I was like, oh, he's just going to kind of go on a monologue and then he's just going to float away and there's the title. Uh, it's definitely a different feeling, which was in- interesting that I have to go back half a like half a century to like have like a refreshing ending to a film where it doesn't yep. feel like like we're hitting all the same story points all the time. Uh, I yeah, there's well, a lot more construct destruction. Actually, in the Keanu one, it's not just one spaceship; a bajillion of them come down like uh, all over the world. Uh, pew, you pew. Know, when you like when you think beep. about when you think about this movie. Um, <laughs> It it operates it it kind of fires on all cylinders mm-hmm. because not only do the themes and the look of it and everything work together, also 
um, back in those days, they just didn't have the same sort of budgets, right? right? Or, or, or special effects expertise. So it's like, mm. we are going to blow our special effects budget on melting tanks and yeah. a flying saucer that becomes seamless when it closes, by which we mean we're going to like turn it so you can't see yeah. the team anymore, right? <laughs> um, and that's it. Klaatu looks like a person. Yeah. Gord is just like a, a big foam robot. That's a big tall guy. He's an actual seven foot tall guy. Yeah. That's my favorite part of the movie when they talk about uh, Gord's hard hard material or it's impenetrable. You can see the And you watch it and it's like it's like bending when he's yeah. walking. He's like, that looks like foam. Um, so, but again, like he looks like a person. There are almost, after that, there are almost no special effects right. in the movie. Right. Almost at it's all. all. It all becomes a... A it's witch all, hunt film. Yeah, it's all yeah. it's all a think piece after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Zach? What'd um, you take away? <laughs> did the wife uh, watch it with you? We gotta say that now. Did your wife no, watch it? No, she with didn't you? because I watched it while she was at work or shopping or something. Okay. I can't remember. But no, she didn't watch it with me. Uh I think she watched about the last fifteen minutes since she said at the end Well, that seemed boring. I said, Well, maybe to you. But Anytime I ask her if she wants to watch the movie for the week, and she's like, she, usually one of her first questions is, um, "How old is it, or is it black and white?" Because mm. if it goes too far and it's black and white, she's most likely out. She she may not she may like next week's film, Invasion uh, of the Body Snatchers. No, she won't. Why? Because it's scary. It's scary. It's scary in a very different way. And and this is a, when we talk about remakes, and maybe we talk about this next week. Yeah. Because The Day the Earth Stood Still has been remade. The Invasion of the Body Snatchers has been remade at least three times. Oh. Um, there's different takeaways that you get f- with each subsequent remake yeah. of that. So Yeah. Okay, I, so uh, I just want to say a quick thing about like remakes. Okay. And, like The time of the piece for this film like felt right because there was some like communist analogies right. with like we're coming out of World War Two and right. that's like still like happening in America. And to take this and like remake it in two thousand eight, like you're losing all of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Like so it's it's like when they remake films, they just say built an audience, we can blow a lot of things up, uh it'll probably make its money back, so we'll attach some star to it. But like they're losing the Context, the, the spirit, and like yeah. what the context of the film when it released quarter of a century ago, fifty years ago, yeah, and that's what like made that film what it was. Well, mm-hmm. which again, is just like this, this movie and Invasion horrible. of the Body Snatchers are two yeah. movies that are steeped in the Red Scare era of movies, mm-hmm. right? Where you don't know who you can trust. Right. When you watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers in nineteen seventy one, a lot of I think it's nineteen seventy one. Uh, it's seventy-one Leonard, or seventy-two. Leonard Nimoy, Leonard and, Nemo Donald and Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. When they're in that, <laughs> a lot of the Red Scare bits are gone. And when you watch the uh, the more recent one with uh, uh, what's her name from Moulin Rouge, um, Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman, that's even watered down even more to where it becomes yeah. more of a horror movie mm-hmm. than a yeah. sci-fi contemplative piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Although the 1970s the, version yes, is with about... Yes, Donald Sutherland is very scary that's a, in, in point, that's point. similar, but what it really focuses on is kind of a loss of self yes. in the midst of that me decade, which right. 
is horrifying in a completely different way than what happens to Kevin McCarthy. Right. And I honestly like the 70s version better. I, I kind of do, too, only because Donald, Donald Sutherland screaming at the end is, is awesome. <laughs> that is <laughs> iconic, isn't it? Yes. Ah! Yeah, Stephen did uh, that to me every day for five yeah. years at school. And it's, it's very different from um, what's his name in, in the 56 version running around screaming, don't you understand? They're everywhere. Uh, it's very, very Aww. different. So, uh, so that will be we'll talk more about that next week, week on Zach on Film. Week. In the meantime, head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find this podcast posting page and give any of your thoughts on the day the Earth stood still or any of the themes we've talked about in this show. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you can go buy any of your own favorite sci-fi movies. It's not going to cost you any extra, but a little bit. We'll come back to Major Spoilers to help keep this boat afloat. So next week, we will be talking Invasion of the Body Snatchers on Zach on Film. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.